you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, this is Erin Mullen, Director of Programs with Rx Response. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, thanks for returning back to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. We appreciate all of our listeners. Hey, would you go to iTunes, if you have an iTunes account, and rate us. Uh, give us a big five-star rating and tell us what you think about the Pharmacy Podcast. If you do that, we will send you an RX Chat Pharmacy Podcast t-shirt. Uh, just go to PharmacyPodcast.com, put in your contact information, obviously your address, what size you want. We have small, medium, large, extra large t-shirts and... And get your RX Chat Pharmacy Podcast t-shirt. Hey, we have an exciting interview today with Dr. Erin Mullen. She's the director of RX Response. Um, she's a pharmacist, emergency manager, disaster responder. Uh, RX Response was on the show back in August of 2013. So we're excited about Dr. Aaron coming back to the Pharmacy Podcast. However, before we jump into our interview, let's get a heads up. Pharmacy Times News update. Pharmacists, MTM proven to reduce hospital readmissions. Pharmacy-based transitions of care, or TOC, interventions that include post-discharge medication therapy management services are strongly correlated with reduced hospital readmissions. It goes on in saying, a study published in the most recent edition of the Journal of American Pharmacists Association found patients who received a full range of MTM services from a pharmacist within one week of discharge experienced significantly lower readmission than those who received usual care. Now, I'm not a pharmacist. Everyone knows that that listens to the show and I support pharmacy. I'm your biggest cheerleader, but this seems like common knowledge and um, I just take it for granted that I've listened to pharmacy presentations, pharmacist uh, consultant presentations about medication therapy management so much so that this just seems like uh, the healthcare community and our industry would understand that this is necessary to ensure that a patient's therapy coming out of a hospital and into their home in follow-up care would obviously include a pharmacist involved, which was going to reduce them going back to the hospital. So um, look up that article, read the rest of it. But uh, let's get started with our interview. Once again, Dr. Aaron Mullen with RX Response. Hey there, pharmacy community pharmacy podcast listeners. I'm excited to welcome back Dr. Aaron Mullen of RX Response to the program. Um, Aaron came to the pharmacy podcast on episode 103 uh, quite some time ago, August 26, 2013. Uh, had no idea what RX Response did or what they were about. Um, since then, uh, RX Response has been a phenomenal success in the uh, assurance that um, people that need their medications during disasters are in fact getting them. Welcome back to the show, Erin. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for having me back, Todd. You're very welcome. Been watching you, admiring the uh, network, um, the technology of what's happened and how you're tracking uh, where pharmacies are accessible and ready to go in, in, in times of disasters. Before I get into some of the stories, questions, and and uh, have some things to ask of you, um, I want you to give our listeners just a little 
highlight what is ARC's response and um, and some background and history to the organization. Absolutely. Uh, RX response uh, is one of the true lessons learned from Hurricane Katrina. Um, a number of uh, manufacturing pharmaceutical manufacturing companies had uh, difficulties to making some emergency deliveries and, uh, and donations and realized that things really could be done better, even though there were a lot of really good things done after Hurricane Katrina. And so they pulled together a coalition of the trade associations that made up the pharmaceutical supply chain. And together, we've worked to, we've worked to build that network that you referred to, uh, be serving as a liaison between private sector and public sector response, areas that normally don't talk to each other, uh, and really been in, being an advocate for the profession of pharmacy, especially in the space of community access to care, particularly following disasters. Since that time, we've become an independent 501c3, a uh, charity nonprofit organization. We're very excited about that. And we're moving forward on not just being a response agency and connecting the dots and helping make sure that pharmacies and deliveries happen after disasters, but really tackling some of the policy issues that affect our responses. The first one we're tackling is credentialing, and I'll be happy to talk to you about that later. Okay. Yeah, I think just for our listeners, um, if you go to rxresponse.org, uh, um, and then there's a section over on the right-hand side of the site called RX Open. Um, there's a section where you actually build out this um, this individual pharmacy map, which displays a list of individual pharmacies and American Red Cross shelters in the area affected by an emergency. And then each pharmacy is color-coded based on its operational status. And I want to um, just have you tell a little bit about the story about the Kentucky ice storm and how uh, instrumental the system was to uh, assisting that, that community. Uh, the Kentucky ice storm, Hurricane Sandy, and currently, actually right now as we're speaking, we're in the process of collecting the data for uh, Typhoon Dolphin, which is striking Guam at the moment. Um, so really this came out of a need when I used to work at the Florida Department of Health and we were looking at response and recovery after hurricanes and we wanted to know where the pharmacies were that were open so that we could direct patients who needed access to pharmacy services after a disaster to those open pharmacies and there really wasn't an easy way to build out that information and so what we've done with our RX open map is we've collaborated with NCPDP with Relay Health, with ERX, and with QS1 to get information on the pharmacies, the community pharmacies that are in the affected areas, and to look at um, their back-end business processes, i.e. prescription billing, and using that as a marker for whether or not the store is open. So as this collaboration came together, what we've built is an extremely powerful tool that can provide information um, it, and is a win-win-win because it provides information for patients who are trying to find access to, to disasters. They can find which pharmacies are open. Pharmacies can help drive business because they're, uh, they can advertise on, or they can, um, the information on their status is available on the website. Um, and additionally, they have much less in the way of 
interfering calls, you know, which is just, hey, are you open? Because we provide our information to FEMA and to state emergency operation centers and to state public health so that they already know which pharmacies are open. They don't have to call and check themselves. They can just check our map. And then uh, that third in regard that third win is in regards to uh, situational awareness for response agencies. They don't have to spend the time collecting the information when you're having to call and find out which stores are open. That's a very time-consuming process, both for the person doing the calling and it's an interruption to business for those who are receiving those calls. When really what you want to be doing is taking care of patients rather than telling a government agency, yes, I am open, you can send patients my way. You know, Aaron, I think this is a, a testimonial to the model to assist a, commu a community, to assist a community in a time of a disaster. And the best formula for that outcome is combining community, private resources with government agencies that are kind of the organizers of it all. But just expecting a, a government agency to do absolutely everything, um, I don't think is the right way to go about it. And I think a lot of our, um, you know, society and culture has kind of gotten into this mind frame that, you know, oh, I pay my taxes, so everything's taken care of. And I'm like, wait a second, this is your community. So getting involved in your community to be ready for a uh, possible um, emergency or disaster. And this is like the poster child of how private sector and, um, and government agency working together um, and what the outcomes are to uh, ensure that um, that the citizens in that community are getting what they need to, to live and to survive. Absolutely. You are 100% right. There has been a sea change in attitude on the part of government responders in regards to private sector involvement. And we've really seen that evolution with pharmacy ever since H1N1. Um, here in Washington, D.C., Rx Response was part of that initial voice saying, hey, federal government that's buying all the H1N1 vaccines, you don't want to only be doing uh, access to vaccine in your public vaccination clinics. Enroll the pharmacies. You're going to be able to target people who you don't necessarily touch with your public vaccination clinics. Teenagers much more likely to walk into a uh, grocery store or a mass merchandiser such as Walmart or Target than they are to walk into their pediatrician's office or into a vaccination clinic. You need to enlist community pharmacies, not to mention the tremendous access of community pharmacies being open during the weekends, open generally later than physicians' offices and what have you. And, um, you know, as a result, since H1N1, when we, when we started the effort uh, really looking at enrolling pharmacies for, as vaccination sites, some states were totally on board. A number of states were very suspicious. They were, they were like, no, you're just in this for, for the money. And we were really able to convince them that pharmacies see themselves as community partners and very involved. And ever since then, look at how vaccines have exploded. Look at how public health is now working to expand the vaccination authority of pharmacists. And that's even coming, you know, we've got a lot of support on provider status in the public health because of the work that we've done in the pandemic 
and after disasters to helping make sure that patients um, have access to their medicines in a time of disaster. Um, you know, when we were talking about the RX Open map, you know, I meant we, we talked about the Kentucky ice storms, we talked about Hurricane Sandy. Um, it, we, it, in Hurricane Sandy, uh, I have some good numbers from the mapping that we did. We initially were mapping over the status of over 10,000 pharmacies because we were looking at almost the entire East Coast in the cone of uncertainty for uh, where the storm was going to hit. And in the counties that were worst hit in New York and New Jersey, 80% of the community pharmacies were back up and running within seven days. And that really speaks to the commitment of community pharmacy to their business continuity and taking care of their patients. And um, and you know it's even faster in when it when the storm when uh, the disasters aren't quite so widespread. In the more Oklahoma tornadoes, uh, the Cleveland County, which was the worst hit, pharmacy services were back up over 90% within three days. And that really speaks to the tremendous work that um, that pharmacies do and the tremendous work that they recognize themselves as part of the community recovery. You mentioned something earlier in the show, Aaron, that I wanted to get back to, and you said um, becoming um, registered or becoming um, accredited. And can you kind of explain to our pharmacy listeners, whether that be a pharmacist part of a um, larger organization or even a pharmacist who is a owner of a pharmacy um, and um, how to really become more involved? Uh, yes, absolutely. So there's two parts to my answer for that. So the first part is uh, with the RX Open tool. I'd like to put a call out for um, particularly for independent pharmacies um, if uh, we have about uh, about 80% of the pharmacies across the country enrolled in RX Open, and once you're enrolled, there's no cost and there's no burden for uh, reporting or anything like that to be included. Should there be a disaster in your community, we will automatically report your status. But we do need you to take the step to enroll. So if you could, please go to our website, rxresponse.org, and uh, contact us and we'll get you the appropriate uh, permission form depending on who your vendor is, uh, the switch that you use, and uh, get enrolled before something happens in your community. That way status is reported automatically. And that's one less thing you have to worry about. The second part, which I had alluded to earlier, as far as credentialing, is not a medical credential. This is actually something from the emergency response realm. One of the things that we see every time with every disaster that we've worked is that access to the disaster area can be hindered. Uh, that, uh, you know, the, an emergency declaration may say medical personnel can go to the hospital, but doesn't say that deliveries can be made. And so we have delivery trucks from, uh, from a pharmaceutical distributor stopped even though they're carrying cancer medicine going to the hospital and they have the bill of lading because the law enforcement person standing at the bridge said, no, I'm sorry, you're not on the, you know, your company's not on the exempted list and there's only one driver and the mayor said that this is an HOV bridge. So you have to have more than one person on this truck. 
Um, we've made some great strides as far as that's concerned. So, you know, that example happened in Sandy and in the snowstorms that happened in January, there was a change in the wording on the emergency declaration that made it easier for deliveries to be made, even when the roads were closed to general traffic. We're looking at a credentialing program, which, uh, you know, is not the hospital credentialing, but the uh, a, a way for law enforcement to identify yes, this person is uh, required to, uh, is allowed to access a disaster area because they are part of the critical healthcare infrastructure. There are uh, two companies, uh, sorry, two nonprofits that run credentialing programs in different areas of the country, and we've been working with them to work on uh, the solution from the perspective of the private sector. How do we make it more convenient, more easy to use from the private sector side so that there's the opportunity to have that credential ahead, you know, pre-enroll in this in the program, have that credential so that you, when you're trying to make a delivery or when you're trying to access your pharmacy to see what the damage is in the disaster, the law enforcement can say, oh, you're level two, so we have to secure the area. We're not going to let you in, but you're going to be first in once we've made sure that, you know, that the area is, is safe and you can, you can go in and be part of that first access as far as, uh, as far as accessing the disaster area. And if you'd like more information about that, we have, a web, we have two webinars next week in regards to that, and we will be recording those and making those available as well. More information is available on our website. Yes, uh, Pharmacy Podcast, we're going to have a, um, a banner put up for RX Response, and if, um, if your team, Erin, wants that to point back to some of the um, upcoming scheduling education for um, pharmacy owners and pharmacy management, you know, you guys could definitely do that. Or matter of fact, <clears throat> we could have two banners. We could have one with some general information. We could have the other um, specifically for upcoming events. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. So let's talk about members only. What does it mean uh, to, to have that members only status um, on your website? I see um, under resources, you click on members only and it takes me into a different environment on your site. What does that mean? So for the members, we, uh, we have a, a different level of information sharing. So uh, when, uh, when a disaster happens, um, we're reaching directly out to our members, helping them solve the problems that they may be seeing during a disaster. We, uh, uh, our members are driving what's important for what we're working on as far as solving, proactively solving problems that happen uh, in disaster response. Um, and uh, and uh, members are both public and private. So the resources of our response, the mission that we have um, is available for free for government participation, um, particularly public health and emergency management at the state and the federal level. And uh, all of our efforts are supported by industry and we are um, you know, actively seeking members to be involved in proactively solving the problems that we see in disasters and to, uh, to help, us, help us drive our, uh, our priorities and where it is that we're turning our attention next. Very good. So um, I go to the site, uh, I'm a pharmacy owner or a pharmacy, um, I'm in pharmacy management. I uh, sign up um, and then like you said, the way that the mechanism works with RxOpen is, is kind of pinging 
the network that they're that they're sitting on. So, um, how is RX Response growing in technology with other switches that you may not um, have agreements with yet? Um, is that something that you're going to continue to try to do so that you can encompass more pharmacies? Yes, absolutely. Um, we. Uh, we uh, we're we're very interested in uh, entering into an agreement with uh, with any other switches that might be uh, might be available. As I said, um, you know what our focus is really trying to um, really trying to enroll more of the community the independent community pharmacies in the RX Open uh, because in particular when we're talking about disasters that happen in rural areas, that community pharmacy may be the only healthcare. In, it, that's accessible for people. So, you know, that it, the status information is very essential. Um, as, as I said, we're, we're collecting information for Typhoon Dolphin in Guam, and there's, um, there's 20 community pharmacies that we have um, that we're monitoring the status of uh, as we're looking at them coming out of the, the, uh, the storm today and, um, and into tomorrow morning. Very good. Well, um I am excited, like I said, to have had you back on the show. Uh, we want to become uh, more involved in getting the word out there for pharmacies that may not know about RX Response. Um, those that are uh, already involved and you're listening to the podcast, make sure you share this on your social environment, your Facebooks, um, you know, Twitter, um, even Instagram, just to give the public um, awareness that this, in fact, is a service. Um, and in fact um, is something that is going to be very important if there is a disaster in their community. So, uh, well, Aaron, I'm so excited once again to have had you on the show. I'd like to um, welcome you back. Um, hopefully we're not waiting a uh, hundred episodes um, ahead of time just to get an update, but um, both of us uh, have been very busy in the, in the last two years. Yes, and congratulations to you for uh, for what you've done with the pharmacy podcast. It's really incredible how you've grown uh, as well in the time that uh, since that we last spoke. Thank you, Erin. Yeah, we've really worked hard, and we thank uh, our listeners and the organizations that have supported us and uh, our big brother or big sister, um, Pharmacy Times. We're very excited. Indeed. Well, you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. I was on with Dr. Erin Mullen with RX Response. You can find more information about RxResponse at rxresponse.org. 